So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. I'm your host, Aaron LeBauer, and today I have a really special guest on the show. Um, today's guest is Tony Steffen. Tony is a dietitian. He's a business coach, and now he's um, like, a like, what is it called? Like a, he, He's teaching uh, people what he's doing as he's going along. He's teaching people about finance and making money and really in real estate. And so I wanted to have Tony on the show because what he's talking about are things that everyone struggles with. It's a different game that we're playing. And um, I've known, well, I'll just say this. I've known Tony for what, four or five years. We've had yeah. the same business coach, Bedros Koulian. And so um, I've had a chance to meet him in person many times. And so I'm super stoked to have you on the show, Tony. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you, Aaron, man. Thank you so much as always. Uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you for, you know, building this awesome platform with everybody. Um, and super excited to be here, man. So thank you to you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I want to say thanks. I thank you to you. Cause I always learn something from your stuff too. I'm like, Oh damn, Tony's so good. Yeah. Like he thinks about this stuff and like similar, but different enough way. I'm like, you put it in different words, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. hell yeah, Tony. So I'm super stoked to have you on the show and I always learn. Something. I appreciate it. So appreciate um, it. yeah, thanks man. So just like maybe in just a few minutes, just tell us if people aren't familiar with you, like where'd you get started? You know, what, what kind of businesses you built and what are you doing right now? Yeah, man. Uh, I always say there's the long story and then the short yeah. story. So I'll give like the short version of it and then happy to expand into it. So yeah. long story short, uh, start off as a personal trainer, age 18, uh, actually lost my mother to a drug addiction. That's how I got into it. Uh, fitness was an outlet for me. Fitness was a way to deal with trauma for me changed my life so much. I wanted to help other people who were going through traumas or adversities or challenges use fitness as a positive outlet instead of drugs, alcohol, crime, whatever, whatever else, right. Whatever else bad crap there is out there. Did that. I was like, you know what? Good marketing, right? Hey, if I become a registered dietitian, every registered dietitian has to refer to personal trainers. Every personal trainer has to refer to registered dietitians. If I can do both, I'm like a dual threat quarterback. I can scramble and I can throw. I'll always have clients. I'll always be in business, right? So I went through college. I got my RD credential at age 23, took a hundred percent commission-based job, never went to, a, and I've never had a salary. It's one of the best things I've ever did. If anyone listening to this is, wants to be an entrepreneur or is entrepreneurial, just don't get a salary, man. A salary mm -hmm. is a drug. They give you to give up on your dreams, right? Uh, <laughs> True. So, but yeah, so did that. Again, kind of progressed through with that, became a regional manager, ran seven clubs by the age of 25. I was like, what comes next, right? Well, online business, hired a business coach, major school and took every dollar I had, right? Used credit cards to pay for what I didn't have to cover it. Started my online business. That did took off. That did really well. Other dietitians started coming to me like, how are you doing this? How can I do this? Started off mentoring other RDs. That grew to a mastermind. That grew to a digital certification that certified thousands of RDs in over 20 different countries. Then it's kind of like a series of like problem, solution, mm -hmm. problem, right? Then wife and I woke up one day and we're like, wow, we've got a million dollars in the bank. What do we do? And I don't say that to impress anyone, but to impress upon people, we were crap, cash rich, asset poor. 
took that money, invested in a new business, real estate, right? Which is an investment vehicle, but also became a business. Kind of fast forward, almost like blinked. We own 61 units. We have another 1,200 contracts. So that'll be 73 here, self-funded. So we've never syndicated. It's all of our own money. That's what we do now. And that kind of became a passion. I'm like, all right, so there's earned income and there's passive income. Even when I was making you know millions of dollars with online coaching, I wasn't financially free because if I would have stopped working, all that money would have gone away because the business was solely dependent on me. Yes, I had team members, but they couldn't you know, run the events, coach, do the sales, all that stuff that was based on me. So took that earned income and invested in passive income. That's what produced financial freedom for my wife at age 31. So that's like the new mission now is yeah. like, man, if I would have known this when I started my business, I would have done things very differently. Or if I would have known this in college, I would have done things very differently. So that's the mission now is to educate yeah. others about that. That's awesome. I think there's one thing that you do, and I know a lot of people do this um, and you do it very well, is you teach kind of what you're doing as you do it you know, yeah. versus hiding it and holding it to yourself. And I think a lot of people that I've run into who want to start like some kind of like online business or coaching business or anything, they're like, well, how do you do that? And it's almost like they're in this scarcity mindset. If I, if I share what I'm doing, either I'm going to look stupid or people are going to take my ideas. Right. Dude. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That that's very true. That's hundred percent true. And it's like, you and I both know the way to create value for others is just to give away everything, you know, yeah. really. Like, I mean, you do more content than I do. I feel like you're, I'm always on Instagram. It's like, damn, he's got another video. He's got another video. He's got another video. Um, but it's like, just give it away and teach. And I, I do believe in that. I believe in documentation, not creation. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to document what I'm doing. You can judge for yourself if you like it or not. I don't concern myself on that. I concern myself on, I find fulfillment through sharing. And you made a good point. I think the, the most poverty driven people are the ones who hide things and will not share it right? What, what's wealth and what's money in the bank if I don't find significance in sharing and teaching others? I mean, there's, a, there's enough success in this world for all of us to get ours. So I'm so glad yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I think, you know, that leads me to, you know, the, this number one kind of idea mindset is like the abundance versus scarcity mindset. Can you just kind of relate that to, you know, how people think about it in terms of like money, finances, investing, you know, the scarcity, like how would someone know if they're in a scarcity mindset versus you know, abundance and how do we get into like an abundance mindset? Dude, that's such a very good question. I'm glad you asked it. And I'll just speak to entrepreneurs here because I'm assuming most people listening to this are entrepreneurial, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. If, you, if you're an entrepreneur, the way to grow is you have to spend money to grow. I mean, there's no way around it, right? You're like, and, and this is what uh, kind of like the book is about and kind of the mission I've been on and just talking about this, but it's like, you, if you're an entrepreneur, an online entrepreneur in 2022, you cannot take advice when it comes to money from your parents and from your parents' parents. They lived in different times. They did not have this. They did not have this. This, this is the power to do whatever you want, right? They didn't have podcasts. They didn't have cameras. They didn't have all this stuff. So you can't take advice from them. Back in those times, you had to clip coupons instead of uh, the grass-fed beef. I'm, I got to go with the ground chuck. You know, instead of driving like my wife's parents, they would like carpool together to save money. If you're an online entrepreneur, that doesn't move the needle. You don't move the money needle by saving. You use it by, you move it by investing and forcing growth. How do you force growth? You pump money into it. Like what you do, coaching, mentorship, buying traffic, right? Buying ads, pumping out content, doing all those things. So you'll know you're in scarcity if you're trying to save your way to wealth, Mm -hmm. which in our inflationary times that we're in, you read right now, inflation is anywhere from 11 to 18%. Dude, 
dude, you cannot save your way to wealth. You put $100,000 in the bank right now, 11%. That's what it's losing. Just sitting in the bank. You can't save your money. Our parents and our parents' parents could save money because they were making good money on their money in the bank. They, you know, inflation wasn't as high, but nowadays you can't. So you know you're in scarcity. If the first thought you think is, what's the cheapest route? Like you, you just have to listen to your words, right? Well, what's the cheapest route? What's the way to save the most money? How can I cut costs? If, if you're in business and you're thinking cut costs, save money cheapest, you'll lose. Yeah. You, you yeah. can't win like that. So that's 100%. You know. Yeah. I just made a, I made a video recently because one of the big questions I get, you know, from beginners is, well, if I'm, if I'm taking credit cards and they're taking a two and a half or 3% fee, should I charge extra? I'm just like, no. And then even yeah. someone commented like, well, in an insurance model, should you, you know, like, like there's fixed costs, you should, should definitely charge extra because you can't make, and I'm like, okay, so you're going to add 8% to the patient because that's what it costs you to collect, you know, from the insurance company. And it's just like this, that mindset of like, well, I'm being charged for this. I need to cover it. And it's just like, how do you get out of that? I agree, man. Yeah. Agree. How do you, how do you, so how does someone get out of that like phase or that stage of like, you know, everything's expensive. How do you get out of scarcity mindset is personal development. I mean, your income will never exceed your level of personal development. You have to invest in yourself. You have to learn, you have to grow. You have to be around other people who don't think that way because right now you're probably thinking that way with money because that's the way your mom thought or your dad thought. And that's the way their mom thought and their dad thought who went through the great depression. Well, they had to think that way but you don't have to think that way. So you have to surround yourself with other entrepreneurs. I mean, the whole, I literally, my mother was a drug addict. My dad worked, you know, two jobs, Detroit, Michigan, never made more than 40, $45,000 per year. He worked, he worked in the automotive industry with the unions, you know, uh, this investing in real estate and online business, this wasn't, this isn't where I come from. So I found a mentor in California because I'm from Detroit, Michigan, right? Go work for Ford, GM or Chrysler. And that's, that's the goal, right? I found a mentor in California who's like, invest money. Spend, he always would say, spend money to grow, spend money to grow. He'd say, you've got money, go buy real estate with that money. Don't go buy a big house to live in, go buy houses for other people to live in, let them pay it down. So you have to invest into getting around those people. But I say it all the time. You have no excuse not to be where you want to be. And, and right now, if you don't have money to invest, go on YouTube, listen to Robert Kiyosaki, listen to Tony Robbins for free, for free and start to change your mind. That's how I started in 2015. I changed my mind for free by listening and watching YouTube videos about where I wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, wouldn't you agree? It's all about like who you surround yourself with. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about being at, you know, events with you in the empire mastermind. And, you know, all the other times I'm like, even listening to your podcast, I'm like, there's Tony's in my ear. I'm leveling up because, you know, I've got Tony in the middle of my head, you know? Totally, man. Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, I think, is it, uh, is it a good time to talk about the difference between good debt and bad debt? You know, totally. Like, yeah. So, let's do it. you know, cause everyone's, so there's expensive, we just covered like this expensive piece. And I think, I think leading into this, the way I visualize this is there's a game of being an employee and then there's a game of being an entrepreneur, right? Yes. And part of that game is playing by a different set of rules. And one of those rules is around debt, you know? And so a lot of people are taught that all debt is bad and they won't invest in themselves. They won't pay for coaching. They won't do any, they don't want to pay for anything with debt. And then there's good debt. Can you explain the difference between bad debt and good debt? hundred percent, man. Great question. This always comes up too. So very simply put, good debt is going to buy you an asset. An asset is anything that puts money in your pocket. 
mm-hmm. right? Bad debt is going to buy you in a, li- a liability. A liability is anything that takes money out of your pocket, right? So two examples. When I started my online business, I did not have money. And this is not my phrase. It's Bedros's phrase. So I'll yep. give credit here. Yeah. When you lack resources, you have to get resourceful, right? And again, back to the world we live in, there's never been a better time to be successful than in 2022, because we have unlimited resources to be successful. So, all right, I'm working my job. I don't have the money to hire a coach. Who has my money? Back to scarcity versus abundance. You ask the right questions, right? Don't, when you say, I don't have money, you shut yourself down. Your brain says, all right, we don't have money. There's no way we're going to figure this out. Okay, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. A success-minded person says, who has my money? Who has I my can, money, right? Who has my money. my money? That's it. Who has my money? That's that's what sales is too. Yep. Who has the money because I have the solution. So we're going to exchange solution for money. That's the way it works. So I said, oh, you know what? American Express has my money. Great. So I'm going to use that, which is debt to buy an asset because I believed in myself and I believed I was going to do the work. I believed in the blueprint I was going to get. And that business made you know millions of dollars. Great. Yeah. Good debt. I go to the banks and I say, hey, like the property we're closing on, it's a little over a million dollars. I'm going to put 20% down. They're going to put 80% down. That's good debt because that property every month is going to put money in my wife and I's bank account after we pay the mortgage, the insurance, the taxes, the property manager to answer the phone calls, to fix the toilets, to, you know, change the wallpaper or whatever, not wallpaper, Mm -hmm. uh, paint the walls. You know what I mean? Buying an asset. Bad debt is, oh, you know what? I would love to, and Aaron, I know you see this too, man. I would love to start a business, but you know what? We really need to go take this vacation to Bali. So we're going to schwack up American Express and we're going to go to Bali. And I'm going to say, I don't have the time or the money to invest in my business because you use bad debt. You bought a liability, something that isn't going to put money in your pocket. So good debt to buy an asset is smart. One thing I will say too, with the real estate, someone uh, much wiser, much wealthier, much older than me said, you never fear the debt if you trust the asset. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I really resonate with that. You don't fear the debt, you fear the asset. So like, first story, I should have feared Bedros's coaching not the American Express debt. That wasn't the risk. The risk was Bedros's coaching or really right. me taking action. I didn't fear that. Real estate, I don't fear the property because I do my due diligence on it. I do my homework on it, right? So don't fear the debt, fear the asset. If it's business coaching, it's not my advice. It's not Bedros's advice. It's not Aaron's advice. It's are you going to take action on it? You are the asset there. So right. it's not the debt, it's the asset. Right, because we're our own best asset, Right. I mean, We're our only asset. Yeah. yeah. Every time I invest in myself, I mean, and I think, I think the, one of the first year, the first year I worked with Bedros, he gave me one idea and it more than paid for my year of coaching, just one idea, but I had to take action on it and do it. Right. And every year since then, there's always been something that's just paid for each year and everything's yeah. bonus. And that my business is growing like 40 to 80% a year, you know, and it's like that way outpaces anything else I could invest in at the moment, you know, like stocks or, you know, it's, it way outpaces the, uh, the what, inflation or even me just leaving money on my credit card at 20%. It's like, if I need to leverage that and leave it there for a month, like I'm making right. more than that, you know? Right. hundred percent, man. It's crazy. But yeah, I mean, so I think if we look at it from the direction that you're speaking about, we see, we see it starts to make sense, but if we're looking at it from a fear scarcity 
in the other, uh, with the other set of rules, it's like, oh, well, that debt is going to weigh us down. But if we leverage our, what you're saying is if we leverage ourselves, we fear the asset, the, our ability to take action on what we're doing, then we're going to be successful. hundred percent, right? dude. Yep. And, and in today's world, if you don't come from wealth and you're not going to use debt, you're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're never going to get there. If I would have wait, waited until I saved all the money to hire the business coach, business has moved on. All my competitors are moving forward because they're taking action. If you're going to like people who want to invest in real estate and then they come to me and they're like, but I don't want debt, dude, you'll, you'll it'll take you a lifetime to save a million dollars to buy a property. And then yeah. you're really risky because you're putting all of your money into it. Right? So if you're not going to use smart debt to grow, you'll never create wealth. That's why mm-hmm. when people are like, well, I just want to be debt-free. You just don't get it. Yeah. They, it scares me. They just don't get it because you're going to live so minimally. If you just want to be debt-free, right? You're going to live so minimally. If that's what you want, great. But for those mm-hmm. who really want to, you know, experience and impact and, and have a significant level of wealth and means to do more, be more and give more, you got to use that. Everybody use that. A- Apple computers has millions, if not billions of dollars of debt. Right. Why? Because it's smart debt. It's leverage. The US, United States is in debt. At like nobody builds significant wealth debt-free. Right. But the, the bad debt is uh, buying your, uh, what, buying your TV and even like buying a BMW when you don't have an asset that pays you for it. Right. That's it. That's it. And I know you see that too. People start, and that's the difference of earned income and passive income, right? Before you start buying luxuries and liabilities, my wife and I's goal, how we became financially free is we used our assets to buy our liabilities. Mm Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. use your assets to buy your liabilities, not your online business. Your online business is to reinvest into the business when you can't invest any more than invest in assets. But that's exactly what people do. They start making a little bit more earned income, a couple thousand dollars online. They think it's going to last forever. They go buy a bigger apartment. They go buy a, a Gucci bag or a Louis Vuitton bag. They go buy a BMW. And now their lifestyle, right? They make 10,000 in their business. Their lifestyle is 11,000. You just trade one rat race of working for a company for the rat race of working for yourself. Yeah. So the best way is to buy or invest into a asset, which is a thing like real estate, even stocks. I mean, some of these things are all assets that can pay you dividends. And the dividends or monthly earned income should be higher than your expenses or higher, at least enough to buy you the fun stuff that's the liability. That's right. Yeah. Right? Just to break it down like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about like the hierarchy of investing. So number one, invest in yourself. Cause like mm-hmm. you said, there's, there's no better asset than yourself. Right. Number two, invest in that business. Right. Number three, invest in scaling, whatever that looks like for you. Right. Team processes, other products, procedures, right. Whatever can help you scale that business and then invest into assets like real estate or whatever cryptocurrency stocks. Mm-hmm. Right. I think real estate offers the most benefit for entrepreneurs and I can explain why, but then you invest into that stuff. Let that cash flow from that pay for your liabilities. And yeah. the definition of financial freedom is you can go the rest of your life and you never have to work if you don't want to, and your lifestyle remains the same. Well, the only way to get there is through passive income. It's not your online coaching business because if you stop coaching, you stop making money. Right. So like the online coaching business for you and me is pretty much it's really like a cash generator to build the assets with, right? 
I mean, I that's mean, exactly what it is. It's a high, if you look, and that's why I say like now is the best time to be an online entrepreneur. It is high cash flow, high profit margins. I mean, where else can you go? Like what other time in history can you literally pull this out, start documenting, creating content, adding value, throw up a sales page, get on a phone call and make tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. You can't right. do, you, like our grandparents couldn't do this. Yeah, just our, from an our, iPhone. Just, <laughs> just from, from an, an iPhone. iPhone. Our great grandparents couldn't do this. So we have this ability, but then what do you put that money into? Because mm -hmm. if you live intelligently, right? If you live, I hate to say below your means, but it's like, because I don't like the phraseology of that. I'd like say expand your means. But if you right. keep your living expenses low and you have an excess of capital, what do you invest that into? And, and that's where we found the best thing for us and for a lot of entrepreneurs is real estate. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, before I ask you about real estate, I just want to ask, um, I think one, one of the things that I've run into people is they're like, well, I make enough, like I'm comfortable enough. Uh, is there a, is there something that's driving you to make more? Is it helping other people? Is it something that your money's doing that means to something, someone else or to you guys, like what's driving you on a day-to-day -day basis to keep doing more with your time, your wealth, your investing? Man, that's a, that's a deep question, Aaron. Um, <laughs> definitely try to uh, articulate as much as possible. You know, for me, uh, hunger is the best sauce, right? You know, I, I believe adversity creates the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just the adversity early on. Like I swore I was never going to take my family through this one day. I swore I was never going to go back through this one day. So it's kind of always for me playing with that chip on my shoulder of, you know, I know what it feels like to not really come from a whole lot, right? We almost lost our home to chapter seven bankruptcy. I was on food stamps. You know, that wasn't a fun feeling. So for me, it, at first it was make a lot of money, but then I realized that's not enough. It's you need the passive income. And then really, like you said, well, sooner or later, right? My wife and I are taken care of and our dogs and soon our kids one day, mm -hmm. it is impacting others. I know you need means to help other people. Like when people say, well, money isn't everything. You're full of crap because you can't help other people if you don't first help yourself, right? If you're not financially secure and financially taken care of, you can't go feed a thousand families. Right. You can't go help someone who's struggling. You don't have the time, energy, or money to do so because you're barely taking care of yourself. So it's like the old expression on the airplane before in, in uh, whatever, in, in risk of crash, put your own ox oxygen mask on first before you put someone else's on. So no, you need money to be able to go help others. You need to take care of you and your bills and your lifestyle and your family first to go help others. So yeah, that's definitely our motivating thing is then how many, then you, be, you play the game of how big can I take this and how many people can I help with this, right? Right, isn't it, isn't it awesome? Like this feeling of, I think for me, it's the feeling of I helped, I helped this one person, but I know in turn they helped another hundred or a thousand or this one thing I did, you know, this one video, this one podcast, I mean, it's going to be listened to by a thousand people. And that's in turn going to help. I mean, so many people just by us chatting for 45 minutes, right? hundred percent, man. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So what is, I think, I think, uh, the next question that I want to ask, um, is this idea of generational wealth. And I don't know, I think this comes before talking about the real estate, but it's like, why, what is generational wealth and why should we build it up? And, and then I guess there's the how, but you know, like, tell us yeah. about that, you know? You know, I love that question because generational wealth is such a buzz term right now, right? And mm -hmm. I love it. It's build generational wealth through Instagram. 
dude, Instagram's I'm going to be here in, in the next generations, right? Like it's such a buzzword right now. And buzzwords is kind of like coming from the nutrition and fat loss space. That's what got me really excited. Yeah. So generational wealth is like Rockefeller is mm. Trump is like Ray Kroc, McDonald's, right? Bill Gates, money that lasts through generations. And when you look historically from our country, JP Morgan, right? When you look historically through the wealth of our country, it's been through big businesses, but real estate, right? right. America's first multi-millionaire, John Jacob Astor, real estate investor in early New York and Manhattan. So generational wealth means there's money to bring through generations. And the biggest way to do that is build a huge company like Apple or Microsoft or like, right, Trump hotels, whatever. Mm -hmm. But even that, that's real estate. For most, for most people, it's real estate because real estate is transferable. It's tax deferrable and it is transferable. You can pass it on to your heirs through a trust. Right. Well, even I think with McDonald's, the franchise, I think I, if I'm correct, I believe that McDonald's, the corporation owns the land under each of the, the franchises estate. and the franchise, the franchisees, uh, their fee is paying to buy the real estate under the building. <laughs> Ray Kroc, Ray Kroc spoke to the story is Ray Kroc, who's the owner of McDonald's because right, the Kroc brothers founded it and then he yeah. bought it out, whatever. He was speaking to a group of college students and he said, do you guys know what business I'm in? And they all laughed. They're like, yeah, you're in the hamburger business. It goes wrong. I'm in the real estate business. That's exactly it. McDonald's is a sorry, how he grew it was a real estate holding company that then sold or leased back the land to the franchisee. So yes, there you go. Thank, thank yeah. you. See, even reminding me that's a real estate business, generational yeah. wealth. It's incredible. And I also think the other thing I, uh, that I think is amazing is the Catholic church uh, is one of the largest landholders in the United States and even maybe even the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, I don't, um, I hope no one tries to assassinate me because of this, but I don't have a will because I refuse to, except my own death at 32 mm -hmm. years old, right? I'm not thinking that way. And so my account always goes like, well, what do you want to happen? And I just always joke. I say, just give it to the Catholic nuns. Just, <laughs> just give it all. If I, if I die, just give it all to the Catholic nuns. So that's why I chuckled when you said that. Yeah, that's so, that's so great. What, um, okay, so Tony, we're talking about, we, we generate some money. We generate some, uh, you know, uh, was it like cash flow? And now we need to go invest it in assets. And what you've chosen is real estate. So we, we've heard a little bit about just through the generational wealth conversation, like why it's important, but really why real estate versus putting your money in the stock market or whether you're even crypto or, you know, other, uh, other assets like rail cars, you know, I mean, you can, I mean, asset, a rail car can be an asset, you know, I mean, yeah. what, why real estate and uh, why do you feel like it's the big play? Yeah, man. Great question. I feel like real estate is the best avenue for entrepreneurs for a couple of reasons. Number one, because of debt, right? Good. Now we're talking about the good debt, right? Mm -hmm. Debt is leverage. Bank of America will not lend you money to buy Bank of America stock. They will lend you money to go buy real estate. So you can leverage the bank's money, what we call OPM, other mm -hmm. people's money, to buy real estate. So like the apartment my wife and I are buying, just say it's a million dollars. I'm putting $200,000 down. The bank is loaning me $800,000. I can move much faster because of leverage. So leverage is number one. Number two is 
tax benefits. The United States government. So when everyone's like, I hate landlords, landlords are scum, landlords are this. The United States government does not want to own real estate. They tried. It's called the housing projects. It failed. They failed miserably. The United States government does not want to be a landlord. So they put the ownership and the responsibility of landlordship to its private citizens. That's the capitalistic society we live in, right? If you want to go live to where the government tells you where to live and how much you can make and all that, that's socialism, right? That to me is the worst thing in the freaking world. That's not what America's about. So as real estate owners, because I take on that personal responsibility, I take on that debt, I pay those property taxes, I pay the mortgage, whether my tenant pays or not. I've got two tenants just that Larry told my property manager, F you, we're not paying, evict us. I'm so responsible for paying for those units, right? Mm -hmm. So I get major tax benefits. Aaron, one of the biggest expenses for most small business owners is taxes. My wife and I, through owning real estate legally, 100% legally, do not pay income tax anymore. We do not pay income tax off of our earned income on our on our online business. I pay a lot in property tax. Literally, my wife's writing right now $100,000 of checks for property taxes, but I do not pay earned income tax because of real estate. So that's number two. Number three, appreciation. Real estate, if you buy it right in a good area, tends to go up over, over time in value. We're experiencing massive inflation right now. Inflation is very bad for the economy, but it's very good for real estate because as prices go up, rents go up and property values go up, right? So you can buy real estate now that would just be so much more expensive if they were trying to rebuild it or create new today. New construction is very expensive today. So you get appreciation. And then fourth and finally, my favorite is cash flow. If you buy real estate right, it should pay you every single month. A lot of stocks do not do that. Like Apple doesn't do that. I don't think Microsoft does that. I don't think Tesla does that. Bitcoin doesn't pay you monthly, right? right. Uh, Ethereum doesn't pay you monthly. Dogecoin doesn't pay you monthly. But if you buy real estate right, it pays you monthly. And then I would say fifth is you're providing a human need. We as humans need three things, food, water, and shelter, and then love and significance, right? But food, water, and shelter. So with real estate, you're providing the third one. You're essentially recession-proof. Could real estate crash tomorrow? Sure could. Doesn't matter to me though, because all my property still cash flow, right? And you just hold on with it. So those are the four major wealth builders of owning real estate. Oh, dude, that's so awesome. I love it. So let's say there's someone in here listening who's like, okay, Aaron and Tony, you're, you've got me convinced. It's time for me to go um, get in some real estate. What are like the first few steps to get started? What are, what are the essential things people need to know or what do they need to have? You know, how do we, how do we make, make, a, make some progress on this idea? I love that question. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to go buy real estate, what's my first step? Do not go buy real estate. Mm -hmm. That's the thing I tell everybody. Do not go run out take all your money or borrow money from your uncle, or your aunt and go buy real estate. Start with education, right? Read, learn. I read as many books as I could. I, I read and I studied for two years before I bought real estate, right? Real estate is very powerful, as I mentioned, but it can also hurt you. See like a stock, if I buy a bad stock today and I'm like, oh my God, I made a mistake. I can sell it in literally two minutes. Mm -hmm. real estate you cannot it is not liquid it's a tangible asset right it takes time to buy it takes time to sell so start with your education learn analyze 100 deals before you buy one learn how to analyze deals you can go on my youtube i have a free video you can watch how i man or how i analyze 
cash flow on a property. So you can do that. Do that. Keep, keep track. I used to keep track in a spreadsheet. Analyze 100 deals before you buy one. Then start with your comfort level. I started with a single family home. I then bought another single family home in the same street, bought a duplex, which is two units. I bought a four unit, bought a seven unit apartment, eight unit, 12 unit, 16 unit. So I slowly built up, right? Slowly built up. It's like going to the gym and being like, I've never squatted before. I'm going to go squat 315, right? On my back. (laughs) You're going to get hurt. So don't go. I know popular pundits out there like to say, "Buy, buy big apartments or buy nothing. Sure, but you need experience, you need money, and you need confidence in able to do that. So just get started. Start with something in your comfort level. For most people, I'd recommend one to four units. Start with yeah. that. Get your hands-on experience. Learn about it. Make your make your rookie mistakes that we all make, and then decide from there. Do you want to continue on, or do you just want to own a couple single-family homes like Bedros Koulian, who mm-hmm. we've mentioned, our friend and mentor. He owns like seven single-family homes, and that's it. That's it for him. He didn't want to go huge. You know, he wants to partner on real estate now with me and, you know, be passively involved with it, but decide if you love it or not. Right. It, there's nothing wrong with being like, I want a couple of properties. I want some cryptocurrency. I want stocks. You just decide, but start with your education first. Right. I think the most intimidating thing is probably the, 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 magnitude of the numbers, right? Probably the, the least expensive type of real estate for most people to get into is going to be a hundred thousand dollars, right? Wouldn't you say, I mean, maybe there's something less, but that's still a lot. 20% down is $20,000. Okay. So we got to have, what we have to have about 20,000, $30,000 to get started in the bank. Is that right? Give or take. Yeah. And I would say if you're finding a hundred thousand dollar property, that's pretty cheap nowadays. Right. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> I mean, they're out there. Right. But yeah, it takes money. It definitely does. And that's mm-hmm. why we said the first thing is build up your earned income, build up your online business. Nothing's going to, no piece of real estate can pay you as much as your online business. So build that up, create an excess of cash flow because you also need capital reserves when you invest in real estate. Mm-hmm. I think I posted it on my Instagram yesterday. My property manager emails me, Hey, we lost four air conditioners. I got, got a really good price, but we have to replace all four. It's $12,000. We'll send you the oh. bill. I mean, and I'm, I, I asked him too, cause I, this is the biggest expense we've seen all at once. I'm like, what do you, what do you do if the property owner says, I don't have $12,000? He's like, we don't do the repair. And it's horrible because the tenants need it. He's like, we can't loan our clients that amount of money. And yeah, it sucks. So don't buy real estate if you don't have money. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not the thing to get into. I know there's a lot of people like buy real estate with no money down, dude, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get spanked. You know what I mean? It's not for that. So build, build up yourself, build up your earned income then get into passive income yeah. assets like real estate. So um, did you guys use like a, find like a real estate agent who's, you know, doing more uh, like focused on uh, more investment properties or did you guys like represent yourself and do that? How'd you do that? Great question. At first we did. Uh, she was one of my clients, uh, mm-hmm. one of my nutrition clients back in the day. So she helped us with our single family homes. And then with all the apartments, she helped me buy my first apartment because it was on market once you get in apartments, it's usually your broker relationship driven, right? Yeah. So a broker listed for sale, you don't bring your own broker into it because they don't want to share that commission. Mm-hmm. So you end up with your lawyer, just another piece of advice, make sure you right. have a good real estate attorney. So that, 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 and together with myself, my real estate attorney and myself, that's how I negotiate my deals now. So you need, once you get into multifamily brokers will send you deals. Once you network with them and mm-hmm. create that 
you know, pipeline, then you need a good real estate attorney to negotiate and ratify and construct the contract or else you'll get burned. I almost lost a hundred thousand dollars by not using a real estate attorney on wow. my first apartment deal. So don't do it. You're not saving any money. Again, saving mindset versus mm-hmm. loss mindset, right? Investing mindset versus loss. I almost lost a hundred thousand dollars. So don't yeah. do it. That's crazy. So getting a real, getting into residential, you can use a real estate agent, but once you're doing commercial or even if you have a deal come to you, it's really just that you need the lawyer to make sure that the contract's correct in, in your favor. Kind of thing. That's it. That's it. Once you're in multifamily, which is five units and above, it's through mm-hmm. brokers, right? Yep. You're not going to bring your own agent to it because they'll dismiss you. But then once they get it, they'll say, oh, do you want us just to use our contract? You say, no, or okay, but I'm going to have my lawyer review it because they're right. looking for amateurs who will just sign their pre-constructed contracts. You get screwed. You get totally screwed. At what point, so in early in real estate, in uh, residential real estate, in like the one and two, maybe even the quad units, you're getting a loan from the bank, probably a private, is it like a private loan, a Tony Steffen loan versus like a business loan to you, right? So That's it, man. When you buy... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. And I was going to say, so where is it that you're either self-funding the um, down payment or getting a different kind of like loan from the bank, right? Am I asking the question right? Or maybe you can rephrase the question if I'm not understanding it enough. I I think, I think I get what you're asking. So I'll uh, try to answer and let me know if you want me to, you know, adjust my answer, but with one to four units, it's residential loans, right? And you can have 10 residential or conventional loans in your name. So, right, you go to the bank, they evaluate you. They don't really care about the property a whole lot. I mean, they want to make sure it'll appraise and you'll do an inspection, but they evaluate you, your debt to income ratio. That's it. When you go multifamily, they care less about you. They still want to look at you. They mainly want to see your business experience, your multifamily investing experience, your plan for the property and your liquidity. If you're like, I'm buying a million dollar property and they want to see your bank account, you have no money in it. They're not going to lend you the money, right? They're going to say, get out of here. Um, But then they want to look at the business that you're buying, which is the real estate. So yeah, you have to come up with that down payment. Now I'm sure if you're like, well, I'm raising the money to do it. There's a way to do that. I've never done that. We've always used our own capital Mm -hmm. because they, they, for us, maybe because we were newer, they were very strict on that. They wanted to see our bank accounts every time. They want to know if 12 or if four air conditioners break for $12,000, they want to know you can cover it because the bank doesn't want to repossess that property. But if you can't pay, that's what happens. So, yeah. Yeah. Is there, um, I think, well, that was a great answer. You answered the right one. I was going to ask a different question and it just went in and just poof. So, um, all right. So as we're doing this, I think, let me ask you this. As you're getting started, um, what were like some of the easy mistakes that you made that you wish you, you know, like th- that you wish you knew about or that you could uh, pass on to someone else if we haven't, that we haven't touched on maybe, you know, I love that, that question. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love that question. Um, number one, I would have learned the difference between single family and multifamily. The wealth creating power is so much bigger in multifamily because multifamily gets evaluated off of what's called the net operating income. So how much Mm -hmm. cash it generates per year, same way a business is evaluated, right? Any business is evaluated by cash flow. single families evaluated by comparable sales. So you have less control in increasing the value on a single family as you do a multifamily, an apartment building, right? And I wish, as I already alluded to, I wish I would have learned you're only as good as your team in Mm -hmm. real estate investing. You're only as good as your network. 
and to always have a good lawyer. If you're going to buy apartments and you don't have a good lawyer and a good property manager, right? I mean, everything down the line from a good lender to a good property manager, to a good inspector, to a good cost segregation team. So you get the tax savings and a good lawyer, you're screwed. Real estate is not a game to play alone. Like I, I've never met anyone who's like, I own 500 units and I manage them all. I, I can, you know, repair them all. Nobody does that. So you need mm-hmm. a team. At what level, like, is it a level of income or number of houses that it, does it make sense to bring on a property manager? I would say if your full-time job is running an online business, your first property, if you hire yourself to manage the property and you're running a full-time online business, you hired the wrong property manager. Mm-hmm. Unless you come from a construction background or your family is there, you know, you're, you're the wrong person, dude. You should not be answering phone calls about tenants, termites, and toilets, right? You shouldn't be doing that. That's not where the money is made. So it's, it goes back to the values of the inefficiencies, right? right? No, you pay the eight, five, 10% for a property manager. That's, that's the way it becomes a business. If not, you literally just bought another job. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you. And I'm sure everyone listening to this. I have like, here's a really good tip. You need a job and your money needs a job. Your job should be to run, operate, scale, and do your online business. You take your money from that and give it a job, which is to own and control real estate. Now you should not be managing and fixing and repairing that real estate. You get a property manager to do that. Also, just to add to that, you don't know the laws. That's a big thing we learned too, is there are so many tenant laws and tenant screening laws and all this. You don't know all of that. So you're, you're at no advantage to not hire a property manager. I know people who do it and all that, but then like real estate investing is their full-time business, but Real estate investing is not going to make as much money as your online business. So being in an online business and hire a property manager. And is it that you can, can you get like, let's say you have a couple units. Is it, do you hire someone full time, like personally, or is there like a company that's a property management company or people are do it for like a fractional kind of like, Hey, I'll do these uh, two properties for you for a thousand dollars a month or something like that. What, what's the scoop on that? Yeah. Great question. So they'll just take a monthly percentage. So our Mm -hmm. property manager just takes 8% of the gross rental income. That's oh, it. Nice. And so they're their own entity and you contract them in. They're like contractors, right? You just bring them in. Right. So yeah. Interview. If, yeah. Oh yeah. Super. You don't want to hire an in-house person, you know, unless yeah. maybe again, you own a thousand units, but I'll tell you this, Aaron, like our goal is to own a thousand units. I'll never create a property management company. It's a total mm-hmm. waste of my time. I mean, my property manager has 70 employees, 12 cars. I'm good. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't want that <laughs> headache. I don't want that overhead. I don't want that stress and constantly hiring and firing and, and oh my God, forget mm-hmm. it. It's not worth it. Take the, yeah. eight, take the 8% all day. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I got, I got one more like logistical question for you around uh, this. Sure. When you're doing this, are you, and I think with the residential, it's uh Tony Stefan, right? Kind of uh, alone for you. And are you buying those homes uh, you, the person, Tony, through your business, or are you creating like uh, another business entity that ends up owning uh, these homes? Or is that only something you're doing once you're moving into a larger multifamily unit? Great question. You cannot get a conventional loan in a business name. They won't mm-hmm. do it, right? So those, my single family homes and my duplexes and my four unit, that's personal debt. Yeah. We put it in an LLC for protection, but the debt's in my name. The apartments, another big advantage is it's business debt. So we form, and Larry, I was emailing my wife about this because she handles all the backend stuff. I was like, hey, we got to form that new LLC to buy the new property. 
It's a great, Aaron, it's the best thing on the face of the earth. Literally signing over a million dollars of debt to an LLC. Now I have to personally guarantee it, but on my credit report, you will not, you do not see any of my apartments. You see my single family homes, but you do not see any of my apartments. So you can create a business. They, They will not lend to you personally. They want to lend to a business. Mm-hmm. And then as you get bigger and bigger and bigger, you go uh, government loans, Freddie Fannie loans, which have pros and cons to them. They will do what's called non-recourse, which means you do not personally guarantee it. That means if the property fails and they repossess the property and they foreclose the loan, they cannot come after you personally. Nice. God bless America, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like it's the, it's the best thing in the, I'm like, I literally, when I bought my first apartment, I sat there like stunned. I'm like, I literally formed this like company that's buying this real estate that's going to appreciate. I can use debt on, I get leverage on, I get cash flow. I have none of the debt in my name, but I get all, I get all the reward. I'm like, yeah. I'm, that's why I was like, why don't more people do this? Right. Yeah. So there's so many benefits, so many yeah. benefits when you become educated. Yeah. That's awesome. I think the, I think why people don't do it is one, they don't know Two, It's scary to think I'm going to have a lot of debt. I'm going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt in my name and I'm liable for it. Right. Is there like a mindset hack that you use to get over that? Or is it just about adding a couple zeros to the numbers on the page? You have to know yourself, right? Right. The key, the key to conquering anything in life is conquering yourself, right? Mm -hmm. If you're just not that type of person, don't do it. If you're going to lose your cookies every single night and not (laughs) sleep, right. Don't do it. It's not for you. That's that's okay. You have to know yourself right? You have to know yourself. I'm an entrepreneur. I learn by studying other people. I think the fastest way to learn how to do anything is find someone who's done it and model their success. I notice a significant continuation and repeatable attribute in every single very highly successful wealthy person. They owned a lot of real estate. And how did they do it? They didn't save money and go buy it in cash. They used debt. Debt is a good debt is the way to wealth. I don't care what a piece of paper says, Aaron. I don't care what a piece of paper says that you have. I have full transparency on this on this podcast here. I think I have five million dollars of debt, but I own. I'm soon going to own eleven million dollars of real estate. Wow, it's a, it's a no brainer, and that pays us six figures annually in just passive, just passive income, just deposited in my bank account. If I wouldn't have used debt, I would never have any of this. There's no, there's no way in my lifetime I could have got to where I'm at at 32. So once you understand it and if you become comfortable with it, we fear what we don't understand. Mm-hmm. That's it. So awareness precedes change. You just need to become aware of what debt really is. It's just a piece of paper. That's it. It's not real. The, the, I could go on a total rant with this, but banks love debt. They hate savers. They hate when you put your money in their accounts because then they have to hold on to it right? So they lend that money out to investors. The Mm -hmm. whole, like since the dawn of our economy, JP Morgan, the first big banker, right? His father taught him the way to wealth is to use other people's money. It's just the way our economy works. It's the way our country was founded on. It's through good debt. So when you, when you learn that you're like, why would I not, why would I not be doing this? You know? Right. Right. Cause you don't really get rewarded for keeping your money still in the bank. You get like a percent but you can, you buy uh, or invest in some real estate, you take out uh, debt, but you're getting rewarded by the tax benefits, the, your, your, um, 
your passive income and even your just generational wealth portfolio that you're building. And you're, and you're providing a clean, safe place for a family to live. That's the best part of it. Like we take over, I hate to say it, but crappy places that were neglected, that were bled out, like bled out, meaning the Mm -hmm. owner took all the profit and put anything back into it. Like those air conditioners I just had to replace, they've been not working. They didn't just break because Tony bought it. The old owner who I won't say the name, you know, but the old owner neglected it for years. So I come in and I give these families now air conditioners. They email us, Aaron, they write letters. Thank you. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for this. So, so I mean, people who call landlord, there are slum lords out there. Right. That's where I buy from and I make them better. Right. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's like, it's another way to give back and it's you're, you're giving people better jobs. You're giving people better places to live and you're helping people make more money, lose weight and help others. All that's things. it, man. Dude, that's it. Living the dream, dude. It's incredible. Thank you for sharing all that with us. So Tony, you have a, you wrote a book. It's called the new, I got it right here. It's the new, the new rules for financial freedom. So um, it. in it, you talk about uh, a lot of things that we spoke about today and more. If someone wants to get uh, a copy of the book, what's the best place for them to go? Yeah, man. Thank you for the uh, plug there. I appreciate it. So yeah, I just took everything I learned. I put it in this very easily digestible book here, right? So you can go mm-hmm. on Amazon, it's 19 bucks. And you can buy it there, or you can get it free on my website, tonystefan.com, tony-whatever it is, stefan.com, which I'm sure Aaron will put in the show notes here. And you can get the digital copy for free. So whatever you prefer. If you want the nice little paperback one, it's $19 on Amazon. Uh, if not, you can get it for free on the website. Yep, that's awesome. It's T-O-N-Y-S-T-E-P-H-A-N, right? Stefan.com. Because someone took Tony Stefan and we don't know who. So, <laughs> right. Well, gosh, I kicked myself for not buying labauer.com back in 1995, too. So, there you go. There you go, man. <laughs> um, man, Tony, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else you think uh, people listening to the show um, should know? Or, like, you know, we're all health, mostly healthcare entrepreneurs. You know, is there anything that uh, else that I should have asked you about or you think would be helpful for people? No, man, I appreciate you. Uh, Again, congrats to you and all your success. And thank you for building this platform to help educate others. Again, you know, physical therapist, registered dietitian, registered nurse, doctor, whatever. We're just not taught these things in school. So I appreciate you and having me on, letting me hopefully share some value to your audience, man. So thank you to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Hey, y'all. So this is uh, Aaron LeBauer and Tony Steffen for the Cash PG Lunch Hour. Be sure to go out and invest in some assets or build some cash flow, build your business, and then turn around and go get Tony's book, figure out the whole real estate thing, and then make sure you tell us about it. And we'll see you on the next show. Peace out. Hey, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the show. If you're an established PT business owner, where you have a clinic or online business, you're a coach or whatever, and you want to 10X your marketing, your time, your income, your impact, and scale your business to multiple six or seven figures, then I would love to invite you to join me or someone on my team for a free strategy and scale session. On this call, what we'll do is help you get clear on your goals. We'll help you identify the obstacles in your way and uncover the hidden opportunities in your business. Then we'll help you map out a three-step action plan so you'll have more fun, help more people, and make more money much, much, much quicker. And you'll leave the session feeling clear, confident, and excited about taking your PT business to the next level. Sound good? If that's a hell yeah, 
just go to cashptmastermind.com. That's www.cashptmastermind.com. Watch the videos and read through the whole page. Then fill out the short application and business assessment you'll find at the bottom of the page to schedule your call. Thanks, and I'll see you next week on the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast.